Welcome to Brainstorium. I'm Anna Tissard, award-winning dream punk and deeply weird fantasy author. And yes, that's me and my fiction that's deeply weird. Explore and imagine with me the most unexpected story ideas using the surrealist word game of Exquisite Corpse. Find out more and join in at anatizard.com. This is a storytelling challenge unlike anything you've tried before. Hello imaginative people, I'm Anna Tizard and this is episode 28 of Brainstorium. It's also, at last, the first in a mini-series of Alice in Wonderland themed shows. For the next six shows, I'm going to be dipping into the weird world of Wonderland and seeing what writing tips and ideas we can draw from this iconic story that everyone seems to know. Or do you, really? It's going to be a little bit surreal with a touch of the profound. But ultimately, I'll be sharing practical ideas that you can use for your writing and creativity. But why Alice in Wonderland? It's a story that's close to my part-time surrealist heart. It has a relatable flavour of surrealism that's fun and colourful, adventurous. An accessible kind of surreal, embracing nonsense without itself becoming nonsensical or difficult to read. My kind of weird. Randomness is a strong theme in Alice. Being in a strange place, a foreign country where you don't know the rules, true rules and rules to be broken. A bit like the landscape of storytelling and certainly of exquisite corpse. So as the Cheshire cat grins from its perch in the tree, daring you to listen on, let us step into the wonderful world of portals. If you enjoy fantasy fiction, the chances are you'll love portals. In Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Alice spends quite some time in a portal the underground tunnel she falls through when she first follows the White Rabbit. Even in the Disney cartoon, all these random objects float around her. She's falling for so long, she has plenty of time to wonder where she's going. And in the book, she's there so long, she actually dozes off. As she does so, her mind reaches an in-between state, a dreamlike state, and she starts to get muddled. And I quote, And here Alice began to get rather sleepy and went on saying to herself in a dreamy sort of way, Do cats eat bats? Do cats eat bats? And sometimes, Do bats eat cats? For, you see, as she couldn't answer either question, it didn't much matter which way she put it. She felt that she was dozing off and had just begun to dream that she was walking hand in hand with Dinah and saying to her very earnestly, Now, Dinah, tell me the truth. Did you ever eat a bat? When suddenly, thump, thump, down she came upon a heap of sticks and dry leaves, and the fall was over. I realised on rereading the book, 
I'd forgotten that she's described as falling asleep at the beginning, because in the Disney cartoon, you only see her wake up from a dream at the end. But having reread this, where Lewis Carroll makes it clear from the beginning that she falls and falls asleep, I think it's really significant that to enter Wonderland fully, to arrive on the other side of reality, you have to give in completely. Let go of your conscious thoughts. Give in to the unconscious. This is so surreal. By definition, this line of thinking is at the heart of surrealism. It's also what we all do to some extent when we're being creative, this letting go. Sometimes I think this is the main difference between art and craft in writing. The craft is your skill set, your grasp of the language, knowing what works best in a sentence, techniques that you're always adding to and improving as you practice writing and as you read. But the art is the wild part, the part that's not under your control. As a discovery writer, this aspect of art is extra important to me, and I'm more aware of it and interested in how to get into that zone more easily. Besides being a writer, I'm also an amateur musician. I play mandolin, not just jingles on the show, but I'm in a small band in my workplace. And again, I definitely feel this tension when I play between what I know how to do, my muscle memory of, of how to play the instrument, and that strange, slightly wobbly feeling of letting go, giving in to the music. For I believe we must all fall a little down the rabbit hole in order to find ourselves and find our art, which is not always ourselves as we know ourselves to be. We're discovering something. We're on a journey. We don't know what's coming next, not really. Life and all its unknowns are bigger than we are, more meaningful and inexpansive than our individual lives. This is the profound aspect of art, the reason so many of us are drawn to it. Ordinary life doesn't fully express what life is really all about. Artists and writers are typically seekers after meaning, but in order to truly seek, we must let go and fall, and we will see strange things along the way. Portals have great symbolic significance for writers and readers. That special kind of concentration when we're caught up in reading a book or writing one we partially shut off our minds from other distractions so we can suspend our disbelief and be in the other world we're imagining. We create with our minds a precious in-between space. It's a bit like when we're asleep or dreaming. You could ask, where am I really? But then that would break the spell. Imagination requires us to give up this questioning this daytime logic, just for a little while, so we can slip into the space between spaces. If you picture for a moment the act of writing a story as going down an alleyway 
with strange twists and turns. You go past various doors, some are closed, some ajar. Some are clean, freshly painted, they have signs. Others are broken and hanging off the hinges. These are like story choices where you may choose to take your story idea or your character next. You can try any door and you might have an idea of where it leads, but you can't know, not completely. One of the most magical things about writing or playing music is that when you start down a creative pathway, when you open one of these doors, you can't really be sure where it's going to take you. When you hang up your self-consciousness and just go for it. Going back to the time it takes for Alice to fall through the rabbit hole, I've been reading an incredible book by John Truby called The Anatomy of Genres. In it, he recommends creating a lengthy portal experience. He says this is one of the reasons why Alice's fall is so iconic. Rather than holding up a story or making readers impatient to get to the other world, he says we should extend the experience of going through a portal to make it more interesting and difficult to pass through because readers love portals. They want to spend time in them. And these scenes often end up as the most memorable. Think about Lucy going through the wardrobe into Narnia. It works for her at first. Then when she shows her incredulous siblings, it stops working. Later, it finally works for all of them. And I feel like there's an element of giving in where they have to suspend their disbelief to trigger the magic, to stop questioning because being too logical and too consciously aware of what's going on chases away the magic. The way too much critical thinking can chase away your inspiration. So if you like a good portal, why not invent one of your own and make more of it? Develop it. Get really creative with it. Make it difficult for your characters to get through. Have them spend more time in that weird in-between space. Explore the mystery of what it means to let go to fall, to slip through this world into that other place where anything is possible. On that note, I think it's time to enter the portal of our imagination and play some rounds of exquisite corpse. Bring forth the socks of destiny. So regular listeners will already know that an exquisite corpse generates a bizarre sentence that goes describing word noun, action, describing word noun. Um, and this is achieved by muddling up the words and phrases that lovely people such as yourself send me through my play page at anatizard.com. So let's see what our first describing word is. Right, we have a word from Mariah. This is rainy. Let's try for a noun. 
oops, one's just kind of thrown itself out of the sock. So this is clearly, this has to be our word. This is from Paul Thomas. <laughs> Balloon. <laughs> okay, I warned you, it's going to get bizarre. So we have a rainy balloon. I'm not going to pass judgment until we've got the full exquisite corpse. Right, what action do we have? This is from Anonymous. Seeks. Hmm. Simple and yet intriguing. Another describing word from... Let's see, what's this? Oh, this is um, a font word from Pizza Dude. So if you've listened to episode 26, I think it was, um, where I become obsessed with font titles, this is one of Pizza Dude's words from a title. Ooh, killer. Ah, as a describing word. See, this is one of the reasons why I don't say adjective, because there's all sorts of things that you could, well, all sorts of words that you could use as a describing word to come before a noun. So even though this is a noun, you can say the killer balloon or whatever it is. But let's, I'm sure it won't be a balloon. We've had a balloon today. Let's see what is killer. This is from, Uh, it's a Twitter ID, I'm Mr. Eric. <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't know how to pronounce this. Acrobamelu. I've written a note next to it because I had to Google it. It's a scorpion man. So um, half scorpion, half man. It's a mythological creature um, that guards the gates of the land of darkness. Well, interesting that that should come next to the word killer. So we have a killer, Acromelu. I'm going to say Scorpio, Scorpion Man from now on because I can't pronounce that. It's unfortunate that I'm not up to that word. Um, so what have we got? I'm going to just write this down and read out to you the entire Exquisite Corpse and see what story ideas we can get from this. The rainy balloon seeks the killer scorpion man or aquapromelu. <laughs> okay, I'm going to set aside how hideous my pronunciation is. You're just going to have to forgive me. It's just one of those things. So the idea that a balloon would seek anything is strange to me. And then a rainy balloon. Are we talking about an air balloon? Um, like a gas-fired balloon um, that's got caught in the rain. Who are these adventurous people, or perhaps even perhaps one individual who's travelling by balloon to seek out this strange killer mythological creature? Hmm. The Scorpion Man is a guardian of the world of darkness. What fool would go in search of it? Someone who wants something. Wisdom? Magic? Immortality? I imagine 
the world of darkness to be arid, lifeless. So the idea that the balloon has rain on it or somehow in it is curious. Curiouser and curiouser. Maybe this is some kind of unexpected weapon the adventurer can use against this scorpion creature who needs a dry, arid atmosphere to be able to use its powers or even survive. I'm starting to feel like this might be some kind of fantasy with an underlying environmental theme because of the rain. Perhaps humanity has broken portals into other worlds. Let's stick with our theme here. Um, because of climate change and running out of resources. But what's happened as a result is that myths, the impossible stuff of ancient fairy tales, have become true. Or they've always been there in parallel worlds and we've just broken through to try and steal their resources or see if there's somewhere else, more land, where some of us can settle. But then these have turned out to be dangerous, threatening places, full of creatures from our nightmares, as frightening as the original ancient myths. Maybe even the original storytellers thousands of years ago had a kind of power that made them real, or potentially real or in real in parallel worlds. And now that we've broken through, everything those old sages warned us about is real. There's a lot you could develop here, but I like the idea that in the end, it's something really simple from our world, like rain, something we might think we have too much of with things like floods from climate change, that ends up saving the day. Interesting idea. I think it's time for another exquisite corpse. Let's see. First describing word is again from Mariah, angry. The noun is, if I can pry these apart and pick one out, this is from, it's a Twitter ID called Weird Micro, Aura, hmm, it's different, let's try an action, oops, two of them, I'll go for the one that's leapt out of the sock, eager to be a part of this. This is from Anonymous. <laughs> Tried to connect with. Hmm. Let's see. Next describing word is from, what's this? Wicked words underscore Kate. Myopic. Ooh. So that could be either lacking foresight or literally short-sighted. Okay, so some, someone or something with a kind of blind spot 
literal or otherwise. This is from Anonymous again, but quite a few Anonymous. Um, Splinter. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I'm going to read out the entire Exquisite Corpse. I'm also going to pause and write it down because I think that helps. Okay, we have the angry aura tried to connect with the myopic or short-sighted splinter. Okay, this feels like quite a tricky one, so I think it's time for me to pour my green tea. And let's see if that helps. Okay. The most bizarre thing that jumps out at me is the idea that a splinter can lack foresight. <laughs> Why is it my brain just latches on to the most difficult bit? Uh, maybe just it feels like a puzzle that I've got to solve in order to try and make a story idea from at least a part of this. Let's see. A splinter as a short-term solution to something that doesn't actually work, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. A situation where you need to cause a distraction and you use a splinter. Someone who wants to commit a crime in a place that's heavily guarded, guarded by a creature, a museum from which um, a painting might be stolen or a more fantasy setting in a house or a cottage in the woods where magical artifacts are stored and the burglar wants to steal an object or a magic potion from a shelf in the kitchen. He creeps through the forest, keeping his eye on the giant bear that's guarding the place. How on earth is he going to get past that bear? He tiptoes on and a twig snaps under his foot. The bear glances up. He's in for it now. But at that moment, his heart jumps into his mouth, but he also gets an idea for how to throw the bear off. You don't need a big deadly weapon necessarily to distract a giant bear and allow you access to this house or whatever it is where you want to steal something. You might just need to find a way to ensure he gets a splinter in his paw. And so he's busy with that. But what about the angry aura? The angry aura tried to connect with the myopic splinter. Perhaps that's another entity that's guarding the place and an energy and it becomes angry when it sees the the trick the ridiculously simple trick that this burglar is performing to be able to gain access to the house why an angry aura though maybe maybe the uh, the magician who lives there has accidentally um vaporized herself <laughs> during one of her spells and so she's floating around above the uh, the cottage 
powerless to do anything about what's going on. Um, Yeah, I suppose that's, that's a situation you could start with for sure. You could just follow this sense of suspense and describe that scene with the burglar tiptoeing around. What's the reason why they want to steal something? Is Have they been wronged in some way by the magician? Should we be on their side? Or are they definitely the villain? Because that will completely change uh, the development of the story and, and how you write it, the real flavour of it. Okay, that was kind of a weird one, an unexpected one. Perhaps it's time for our last exquisite corpse of the day. So we have a describing word from Paul Thomas. Stretched. Okay. Next word is, this is again a font title word from Pizza Dude, the font artist. (laughs) Garbage. (laughs) Why did I choose that? That's weird. The stretched garbage. Mm. (laughs) What is that like, chewing gum or something? Okay, this uh, is from Mariah. The action is... (laughs) Argued with a pirate about. Um, Okay, this is going to be an interesting one. Next we have... From so Twitter ID Captain Random Ten. Optimistic. And the final word is it's from Mariah again. Mariah sends me so many words, it's fantastic. Postman. <laughs> okay, there's a lot going on here. I think I need to pause and write it down and read out the whole thing. Okay, so the stretched garbage (laughs) argued with the pirate about the optimistic postman. Of course it did. I need more green tea. really literally stretched garbage or is it someone who's in a black bin bag perhaps they've disguised themselves lying in wait it seems this show is all about ambushes all of a sudden argued with a pirate about the optimistic postman why is it notable that the postman is optimistic implying that maybe he shouldn't be. What if he's been throwing mail into a garbage can, or I would say a dustbin. He's been chucking out mail on the sly because he can't be bothered to do his job properly. What he doesn't realise is that inside one of the envelopes is a picture or a postcard of a pirate that turns, grows into a fully-sized, real pirate. Or maybe it's a story someone's written and posted to someone. Ooh, it could be a manuscript for a novel about a pirate. 
oh, you don't want to have that in the bin. This is kind of strange. Um, let me see if there's another direction we can take this. I'm not entirely convinced. Stretched garbage. That could also mean a lie that's stretched. So someone's talking garbage and the lie grows, stretches and becomes out of control. Someone tells a lie for convenience's sake, but it starts a whole sequence of events that worsen um, and it ends up being extremely inconvenient. What is this lie? How to tie it to an optimistic postman who argues with a pirate? Oh, this is a difficult one. All I can think of is a play about pirates where the postman has agreed to act out a part. Maybe it's Peter Pan, something like that. And he says, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to learn my lines or yeah, yeah, I'm going to make this costume or buy a costume. And he doesn't. And he ends up in an argument with one of the pirates, uh, maybe characters, maybe Captain Hook himself. Um, not really sure where that's going unless the person actually turns out to be Captain Hook. Like it's suddenly real or something. Um, there's a few different possibilities here. I'm not 100% sure about it, but let me just see. I'm just going to have a look in my pads. So what have we got today overall? We have, I think the first one was the best with the rainy balloon seeking the, the killer scorpion man. And also that, don't forget that wound in uh, the portals theme. Uh, this idea that ancient myths are actually real and we've broken away through into these worlds that were created perhaps thousands of years ago. Because um, it brings into question the idea of, you know, what's real, what, you know, what's not real. When does something imagined become potentially real? And then the, uh, the splinter, <laughs> the myopic uh, splinter. That was uh, quite strange, an uh, idea of someone trying to steal something or and tricking a guard into letting him through. Perhaps the, the angry aura could turn out to be the more interesting part of that story because you've got that frustration of the magician who's accidentally vaporised herself, floating around, and there's nothing she can do. She's helpless as she looks down on this scene where someone's actually getting to break in to her cottage um, when she employed this uh, giant bear, thinking that strength was everything, when actually deception and trickery is a very useful tool or weapon, as much as a tiny splinter that could distract the guard from his employment. And then finally, the slightly weird one, couldn't quite work out what to do with this I may tweet about this and see what other people um, have, uh, what other what other ideas you might have. So if you're on Twitter, come and find me and tell me if you've got any ideas about the stretched garbage argued with a pirate about the optimistic postman. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Lots of uh, lots of different ideas there. I hope that you've got some story ideas to explore that uh, tickle your neurons enough to make you to want to want to try. And don't forget that to enter that special place of inspiration, that mindset, you must let go of your critical mind, even just for a little while, so you can enter the portal of your imagination. It only remains for me to say, go forth and be inspired. I hope you enjoyed today's brainstorium. You can find out more about Exquisite Corpse and my series, The Book of Exquisite Corpse, at anatizard.com. Subscribe to my e-newsletter and you'll get volume one for free. And while you're there, why not submit a few words to the Socks of Destiny on my play page? You may inspire me or inspire yourself to write a unique new story. See you next time.